Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more. Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about Paris, deserted airports, suits, the Mile High Club, cops, flashlights, and sandbags? Let's get on with the show. So... People listen to podcasts, people find them later and come back. And actually in like um, the Apple podcast, sometimes it's hard to, they don't seem to sometimes go in order. I don't really understand. They do in iTunes, but not in Apple podcasts. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to preface it, even though everybody, it's on everybody's mind at the moment. But if people are going back to listen to this years later, uh, the coronavirus, <laughs> big problem in in this podcast, it's in the midst, midst of it and uh I got a few things to say. Um, I fly to Europe. And uh, coming home, uh, the rest of the crew and I were concerned because they're saying on the news that um, you're supposed to self-quarantine if you've been in Europe for 14 days. So uh, we we're like, does that include us? Because we got trips coming up, you know. Um, who knows? What's going on? And uh, I was in Paris. Uh, and I went out. And went to the grocery store, and they still handed me my change in my hand. And I was thinking, oh, that's a little strange. You know, you could put it down. I could pick it up. You know, we're actually touching hand to hand. But I was out, and uh, people were out. They weren't wearing masks. They weren't wearing gloves. And um, they are just carrying and eating their baguettes like they always do in Paris. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, everything's fine. This everybody, It's a little overblown here. Everybody's out. The cafes are open. And then that was like at 7 p.m. And at four hours later, at midnight, lockdown. Everything's closed, and it's like, boy, how things can change. So then we're flying back from Paris. And uh, like I said on the news, that it said you're going to have to self-quarantine and that they were going to be testing for the coronavirus at the airport. And I was like, are they actually going to test? Are they just going to take temperatures? Uh, Nobody knew, you know. Uh, I do think with with any catastrophe, people are nicer to each other. It seemed like everybody was really nice. They were very thankful that they're going home because they were afraid they're going to get stuck in Europe. And uh, we get there, and... uh, it's just a questionnaire, basically. Uh, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? And then they told us, um, oh, you don't have to self-quarantine. You're fine if you're crew. And it's like, huh? 
you know, you're still people can still be carrying things. But I guess if you're in the transportation industry, it's considered essential. So you're exempt. So then I had a trip planned. Uh, You know me, I'm always traveling. (laughs) And I guess I'm not for the moment. I had a trip planned. I was doing a reconnaissance mission uh, in Destin, Florida to see if it might be a place I might want to move. And I'd already prepaid my hotel and my car and um, it was non-refundable. And I was going back and forth. You know, I feel fine, but you know, I've been to Europe and um, they're asking for no no non-essential travel. And obviously it's not essential. I'm just going to look around. Uh, And you know, I could have gone because I was mainly going to be in my car looking around. Wouldn't have been around a lot of people, but I didn't think it was right. I thought it was selfish. You know, it's like uh, everybody's supposed to stay home except for me. I'm going to do whatever the hell I please. But (laughs) meanwhile, I live in a vacation destination and uh, I stayed home and then thousands and thousands and thousands of people came here. (laughs) So, you know, people are going to be people and you're going to have people who follow the rules and people who don't. So a good friend of mine, a fabulous friend, uh, another flight attendant, he, um, he lives in a small town, and uh, he flies to Asia, and um, he was at the grocery store, and because he lives in a small town, everybody knows everybody, and this is sort of it, like the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, this woman says, uh, international travel, international travel, and like ran away from him, and it's like, oh, this is some scary times, international travel! This pandemic, you know, things just change so quickly. Uh, I had been talking to a good friend in California, and uh, he was talking about not, you know, having toilet paper and stuff not at the grocery store and people hoarding. And I was like, oh, no, I was just at the grocery store. Everything seems fine. This is before I went to Paris. I go to Paris, come back. So it was three days. And uh, I go to the grocery store. And I guess in that amount of time is when people decided they needed to hoard. And um, I go to the store and it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, This is real. There's no toilet paper, no flushable wipes, no tissues, no cleaning like Clorox wipes. And um, that day there were no eggs, no milk, very little meat. And it was like, oh, no. Ah." So I went in the drugstore and I'm um, checking out. I was having a nice chit chat with the teller and um, this other woman who works there. There's very, I don't think there was anybody else in the store, uh, comes up to me and she kind of whispers and she has something under the counter and she goes, uh, hey, psst. And I was like, what? She goes, hey, do you want some of these? And I'm like, some of what? And she, <laughs> she brings up from out from under the counter uh, a thing of uh, flushable wipes. And I was like, oh, <gasps> and she said, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> she must have deemed that I was worthy of flushable wipes. <laughs> and it was like a score. It was like my CVS drug deal. Where I get my hair cut was closed uh, during the coronavirus. And um, I was like, okay. But my airline has restrictions on how long your hair can be or else you have to pull it back. And I don't like wearing my hair back. So I thought, alrighty, I'm going to cut my hair myself. <laughs> I put out some um, tea towels around the sink. And uh, I just start cutting. Clip, 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 clip. Actually, it was going pretty good until you get to the back. And then you go, 
So I'm kind of like pulling it forward to cut it. And um, I go to work in two days, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody notices <laughs> the hack job I did to my hair. But I actually think it turned out pretty good. Like I had to keep coming back like um, five or six times and uh, look at the back of my hair again. And oh, I see a piece hanging down. Got to get that one. <laughs> It'll be curious to see if anybody compliments me on my my own hair cutting skills. I'm on my first layover ever. I'm in San Francisco. Your first layover ever. Yes, my first wow. layover ever. Yes. Is this going to be interactive? Because no, I'll just, notice. <laughs> I'm just, I might. Can you just snort? I would love to snort. If like a snort, I've been trying to get people to fake snort, and people can't fake snort. They, they, no, they can't. <laughs> okay, so, so, so your first uh, layover ever. This is my first layover ever with an airline. Okay. This is back in the late '90s, and I couldn't have a better layover city because I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, that's a great way to start. It is, and for a guy like me especially, it's a great way to start. <laughs> it's my kind of city, if you know what I mean. So here I am, I'm woken up by this phone call at like 8.30 a.m., and it goes like this. Oh, flight attendant Fitzgerald, you come downstairs, you pay your bill. You all bill an airline very unhappy. Flight attendant no pay bill. So I'm like, who did you say you were? Oh, Mr. Chong, hotel manager. Uh, Mr. Chung, um, I think that um, airlines, like, they cover the cost of my hotel room. Right. I shouldn't have any bill of any kind. He said, oh, an airline very unhappy. Flight attendant no pay bill. So you come downstairs. You're freaking out because you're new. I am because I don't want to get in trouble. Right. Right? So he goes, oh, you watch porno in room. You come downstairs. You pay bill right now. Airline very happy. No pay bill. (laughs) Mr. Chung, what? He said, you watch porno room. You come downstairs. You pay bill. Mr. Chung, I, I told him. I was out that night with friends. I didn't get in until like 2.30. I did not turn on my TV even. I would have been freaking out too. Well, yes, because we could really get in a lot of trouble if we were to charge a bunch of things to our room and not pay the bill. So then he says to me, oh, flight attendant Fitzgerald, you horny, you watch porno in the room. And oh my gosh is right. And I said, what did you just say? <laughs> oh, you horny room, you watch porno. I said, you are in customer service like I am. I would never think of speaking to somebody oh else, gosh, to a horny. customer like that. Never. He said, oh, it's it okay, you get horny. I said, hey, I said, I'll tell you right now. And remember, this is the late 90s. The kind of porn you have in your rooms is not my kind of porn. And he goes, oh, flight attendant Fitzgerald, you tell me you homo. Okay, now I've got like my gay flag out. I am like pride parading it. Like, no. And I said, what did you just say? I just kept, I was in disbelief. He had to repeat things for me. He said, 
all at okay, you home. Oh my god. And I, and I said, okay, Mr. Chung, what city are we in? What city are we in? Hot spot, I'll tell you. Okay, so I would have been really freaking out at this point because he's like insulting you. Well, it was hurtful, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And so I was like, in this city, it really, other than hippies, what's your other big group who lives in this city? And he goes, oh, homos. <laughs> and now I, I, I just lose it. I'm like screaming. I'm like all kinds of, of upset. And I hear this sort of crack in his voice. And I get hints of laughter. Well, it was my first officer on the trip who was playing a prank on me for my first time to initiate me. And he got you. And he got me. He got you good. He got me. Oh, flight attendant Fitzgerald. You watch porno room. My first domestic trip, and uh, after, you know, so long, many, many years, and, um, uh, this first-class passenger, I'm about to get on the plane uh, to commute to work, and uh, this first-class passenger gets off the plane, and he's got basically a hazmat suit on. He's got goggles. I don't know what kind of goggles, like for, like, painting, um, a mask, um, uh, uh, makeshift plastic, like, trash bag hat get this and a trash bag <laughs> get this a trash bag duct tape over garment hazmat plastic bag garbage bag duct tape suit <laughs> snazzy the airline gave us a uh form to keep with us in our car in case there's a uh real enforced lockdown where you're you know you're not allowed to be out of your house um and unless you're going to the grocery store but uh we got this form that says um i'm a critical infrastructure worker critical infrastructure worker i am i'm a critical infrastructure worker how did that happen so, you know, all my international flights canceled, and uh, in order to get paid, you have to go on reserve, which I haven't been on reserve in, woo a long time. <laughs> I'm senior. Uh, well, relatively senior. So um, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll do it. So I get a domestic trip, and all the flights keep canceling, and then I'm deadheading, and um, I ended up working one flight with two passengers. We had four crew members, well, with the pilot, six crew members, and two passengers. Man, the the airlines are hemorrhaging like nobody's business. So, you know, it's it's a surreal time. And I was there the first day when, for domestically, they've changed all the service standards uh, uh, to avoid points of contact uh, where you could potentially spread the virus. So um, handing like credit cards back and forth and everything uh, for buying drinks. So they've decided just to go with little bottles of water and snacks in first class and coach. That's it. Bottles of water and snacks. So it's like, okay. So um, I'm on the flight with the two passengers. Well, that was crazy. It's like, what times are we in? Uh, you know, the airlines have been doing great. And like overnight, 
Not so much. Actually, dire time. So anyway, the pilots get on the plane. Now, this is the first day we've gone to this um, bottle of water and snacks. So um, no alcohol even at first class. Yikes. So uh, the passengers seem fine. Granted, there are only two of them. <laughs> so the pilot says to me, um, can I get a glass of ice? And I said, uh, we don't have any ice. All we have is bottles of water and snacks. And he goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, all right, just just give me a can of Diet Coke. And I go, uh, all we have is bottled water and snacks. And the pilot's eyes got wide like it was just dawning on him like, this shit just got real. So I had worked this flight with two passengers to Florida. And um, we get to the hotel in Florida and... I've never seen the people behind the desk. There were more than one of them. They were so happy to see us. I think we were their only guests. And they're like, hi, welcome. And we're thinking, wow, this is nice. And they're smiling. And then they said, "Uh, where'd you fly in from? And we said, New York. And they went (gasps) and backed up. It's like, wow, how quickly (laughs) that welcome changes. The music for the show are two parody songs. Um, I like that people are being uh, creative in their quarantine. One is Brent McCullough, Staying Inside, and My Corona Home by John Pumper. Uh, I'll put the links uh, in the show notes, and I hope you like them. We are still talking the L1011. I used to do, I was based in Dallas. And I would do the Dallas-LA turnarounds right. yeah. lots of times. And one day we noticed a gal, a young gal, probably in her late teens, early 20s, kind of walking around to different parts of the airplane looking for attractive young men. Oh. She would sit down next to one of them and sometimes didn't stay long. Finally, she went over to the other side of the airplane and they struck up a very friendly conversation. <laughs> was she looking for a date? Or? She was looking for a date, I think. And before long, and we were all observing as yeah. we were doing our service, she and the young man went back mm. to the lavatory. There were five right. along the back. And they went into the one on the far right. Well, we were all observing this. Yeah. We would get on our phones on the, at the different yeah. doors and call each other and say, okay, they've just gone in. So one of the flight attendants went back to that lab and unlocked it. She did? Unlocked it. And then we all sat back and just watched so that the next passenger who was going to the bathroom walked in on that couple in the middle of whatever they were doing. Wow. And we all laughed. I mean, it was just funny, funny because we were strategically placed so that we could watch to see what was behind that door. And, so. and he was must have been, uh, that whoever opened the door must have been a little shocked. Yeah, oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind and thoughtful when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It only takes you an extra like two seconds to click through an Amazon link. It doesn't cost you anything. It supports the show. And you got a lot of time to buy stuff on Amazon. <laughs> 
and I like to see what people buy. Uh, somebody bought lentils, which is very sensible, you know, especially when you're gonna might need a, you know, might be by yourself for two weeks or with your family, you know, lentils is good. And somebody else bought uh, pasties, women's pasties. And I was thinking, okay, those people have very different ideas about what to do on their quarantine time, you know, lentils or pasties. <laughs> And uh, my niece thought about it, and, and they're still available. You know, it's kind of hard to get masks. I made my own fabric mask, but, um, you know, you're going to keep washing it, and I don't know. How, I don't know. I do think it's a good idea to wear a mask. You know, maybe we can get through this faster if we all wore them, and then uh, maybe we can get back to flying and traveling, you know, sooner. But uh, my niece thought of it, and I thought, well, I have one, and you can also get one on Amazon if you want. The snorkel mask, the whole face snorkel mask. Uh, with the snorkel out the top, it's actually a perfect uh, anti-coronavirus mask. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get to that point, but, you know, you can just wipe it down. You can use it forever. It's, you know, sustainable. <laughs> and I have one. I don't know if it's going to get that bad, but I got my snorkel mask. So anyway, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, just think about going through BettyInTheSky.com. Thanks. So I worked that flight. I, I worked a flight from New York to Florida. And then we were supposed to work um, two flights home the next day. And then in the morning, one of the flight attendants checked her phone and saw that um, both of those flights were canceled because, like, everything's canceling. And um, we were going to be deadheading home. So she... She called me. I was already up, but then she called the junior guy. We had one junior guy on the trip, and he leapt out of bed because he assumed he had overslept. So he leapt out of bed. He says on the phone, I'm up. I'll be there. I'll be down in five minutes. And he, he hung up. And he's throwing stuff in his suitcase, and she called back, and he picks up, and he goes, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll be there in, in five minutes. And she's like, no, no, no. Hey, hey, hold on. Our, our flights are canceled. Um, it's that terrible feeling because every single flight attendant has um, missed a wake-up call or set an alarm wrong or your phone died or it could be anything. I said three. <laughs> I do. I carry an old-fashioned, old lady little travel alarm because you. what if you're out of electricity for a long time and then you're, you can't use your mobile device? So, uh, But then I set a mobile device and I get a hotel wake-up call so that you don't have to jump out of bed and go, oh, come here, we got a five minutes. Ah! That's where you have to go to stay away from And I have not been on reserve in a very, very, very long time. <laughs> in some ways, it's good, you know. Um, you get a little set in your ways. You keep doing the same thing. So now I'm going back to flying domestic flights and there's nobody on them. <laughs> and nobody on the flights. I had a flight with two people, two passengers, and uh, the one passenger gets on the phone and says to the, on his phone, um, there's nobody on this flight except for flight attendants. And I'm thinking, yep, that's about right. So uh, I now I'm flying domestic and with junior people that I don't normally see. So that's kind of nice. And I keep hearing stories and crazy stories about this new paradigm where nobody's flying. Uh, one flight attendant said on one of her flights, uh, it was so light that they had to go back to the gate for weight and balance. And they were going to get, get this, sandbags. They needed sandbags on the plane because the plane was too light crazy. And then another flight that it said, uh, well, 
we had one passenger on the flight. So the pilot kept making PAs like, um, for your safety, we ask that you keep your seatbelt fastened at all times, Chris. <laughs> he was making it to him like, Chris, we're going to go through an area of tur light turbulence, Chris. Uh, welcome to Minneapolis, Chris. <laughs> That's that's something new. It's been 13 seconds since I last went to go wash my hands. Just a few uh, little things. Um, I do like certain things on Instagram and Facebook, you know, uh, in times of the coronavirus. Somebody had a picture of a martini and it said, cheers, let's have a quarantini. It's the same as a martini, but you're in quarantine. Uh, a passenger, when I was flying to Europe before we stopped flying there. Um, he's walking off. He's got his mask on. You know, his face is covered. And then I look at him and his fly is down. <laughs> his face is covered, but his um, wang is not. You know, got to have your priorities. <laughs> and then a flight attendant told me, um, this might only be funny to flight attendants, but I thought it was cute. She said, how do you spot a flight attendant at a party? They're standing behind a curtain eating. <laughs> So this was so strange. I was at the airport, and I'm walking down the concourse in my uniform, in my heels, with my suitcase, and I realize there's nobody else in this giant, long concourse. Nobody. It's just me. I mean, you're never alone at the airport. Never. And it was so weird and odd. And then I started to realize what song was playing. And I was like, wow, that's apropos. It was the Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge. And um, I don't sing. I have a bad voice. I certainly don't sing in public. I don't do karaoke. And uh, I just started singing out loud in that empty airport. Probably never do that again. But in case you don't know the song, it was so strange. And I'm not going to uh, subject you to my singing. So I'll just, um, <laughs> I'll say the words. And the words in this empty airport was, it's hard to believe that there's nobody out there. And some of the other lyrics are, I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're saying how a lot of things now are inappropriate, but back then it was just funny, you know? It was, and we just laughed because we kind of knew what to expect. The pilots were always looking at nudie pictures that they kept tucked away in little secret compartments in the cockpit, and they would change them out, so whenever a new crew would come on, they'd look to see what the picture was, and it, then they'd pass it around and, you know, do whatever they Do you they know do. that, remember that the male flight attendants and the male pilots used to leave uh, dirty magazines for each other under the mattresses in the hotels. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. But one time, um, the pilots called me up, and he had placed his large flashlight <laughs> in his pants for me to, to look at. And to he notice. Was so proud. Yes. Come here. Look at this. Another, I have another one, but this is a passenger. Um, and this was in the very early days. I was brand new, and it was on the 727. And I know it was out of Dallas. It was, and we used to have just some like real yeah. redneck and yeah. you know country boys and 
but they were also kind of edgy. And I was checking seatbelts on the way back on the, um, you know, before takeoff. Yeah. And this guy said, can you help me with my seatbelt? And he had exposed himself. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> and he, of course, I was startled and I just, you know, I turned and I almost ran, I think. Oh my God. But, you know, others said, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. No, well, I was you brand new. Plus you don't think of it yeah, at the time. You're too shocked. I didn't think about that at all. Oh so. my. So I flew with a retired police officer flight attendant, like a no-nonsense gal, you know, flies in charge. Makes sense, you know, since she's a retired police officer. <laughs> and so she said that uh, another flight attendant came up to her um, when they were still on the ground and said, uh, there's a passenger back here. He's, he's like, he's got a red face. He's sweating. He's been throwing up. He looks really, really sick. And, uh, you know, this is in the time of the coronavirus, the plague, basically. Uh, and um, so the flight attendant says, he says that he has food poisoning. But he also said, um, I'm warning you, I'm going to be loud. Like, oh, wait. she said, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable with this guy. Not only does he look really, really sick, he could get everybody else sick, but he's acting strange. So uh, the retired cop says, I'll go back and talk to him. So the no-nonsense ex-cop goes back and uh, decides he looks too sick, uh, you know, especially in this time with the virus. Uh, so she told the pilot she wasn't comfortable with him flying for the passenger's sake and for the crew's sake. So the pilot said, oh, you know, I'll back you up. Uh, it's your call. So she went back to the passenger and said, um, I'm sorry, you need to gather your things and exit the aircraft. You're just too sick to fly at this time. We can call the paramedics if you'd like, you know, to have, have you checked out. You know, she said it very, like, matter-of-factly, like an ex-cop. And the guy crossed his arms and said, No! I'm not getting off this plane! Who are you? If you want me off this plane, you're going to have to get security! Uh, so the ex-cop says, Okay. <laughs> Went back to the pilots. <laughs> said any to the cops. Went back to the red-faced, sweating, sick guy and said, uh, You hear those sirens? They're coming for you. And he like looked at her, listened, heard the sirens, and was like, okay, I'll get off the plane. Alright, this is the only time in aviation history when you decline first class. <laughs> Normally everyone wants first class, right? Here's a thing. Everything is canceled. All the flights are deserted. There's no booze and no food in first class. Yet, as an employee, you can be upgraded to first class. Well, hello! The only people flying are employees. Either commuting to or from work or deadheaded due to canceled flights. So, uh, I get, I kept deadheading all over the place. I was like getting paid to watch movies, which is nice. It's scary also. You know, it's like this can't go on for very long. Um, but... On my deadheading flights, uh, every time they would upgrade me to first class. Well, it's all the other employees, too. So, like, the whole plane is sitting in first class. So, I could sit smushed in with 20 other people together. Or I can have a whole row in the back in coach with nobody in front of me and nobody in back of me. So, it's like, <clears throat> hello, coach, please. Please. I want to sit in coach, please. Please. <laughs> 
So the airlines are hemorrhaging like nobody's business. I mean, my airline, as of this point, it could be more tomorrow, or they could just shut down all domestic flights tomorrow. I you know, just don't know. But as of this moment, while I'm in the closet, our flying is down 80%. We've canceled like over 100,000 flights. My goodness. It's so... It's hard to know what to do. You know, I always knew as an airline person, you're kind of on the front line. Um, I remember sitting across from, you know, lots of times you're on the jump seat and you're sitting across from a passenger. I remember years ago uh, sitting next to somebody who worked for the um, Center for Disease Control. And uh, she said to me, um, you know, if there's ever a pandemic, you guys are on the front line. And I thought, well, that's a nice thought. (laughs) But, you know, it's true. And in March, I flew to Amsterdam, which isn't too bad, but I I spent two days in Spain. You know, that's bad. Um, Paris, bad. And uh, New York, bad. You know, (laughs) so the airline is asking the employees to take unpaid leaves. And it was a really hard decision for me. You know, I, I like flying. Uh, I like seeing my friends. I have a lot of fun. Um, But I also, you know, I don't want to get sick. And um, they're asking us, they said the best thing that we could do to help the airlines, which was what I'd like to do. You know, the airline has given me so much um, that they wanted us to take unpaid leave. So I decided, you know what, I'll step up with the 30,000 other employees that have done so, so far to, you know, stay home. So uh, I live alone. And then staying home, oh, you know, that's a lot of alone time like that. I have thoughts about like uh, like Matt Damon when he's on Mars by himself or Chris Pratt when he's like on a ship in the passenger or Tom Hanks on the island. You know, it's a lot of alone time. Uh, but I'm OK with that. You know, if it's what we got to do, it's what we got to do. But um, I kept having to change my thought plans. I thought, OK, well, I'm going to be home alone. So each day I'll go take a walk at the beach because I live near the beach. Well, they closed the beaches. And I thought, okay, well, my condo association has a pool. So each day I'll go swimming. Well, they closed the pools. (laughs) It's like (laughs) one after another. And it's like, okay, well, I had just gotten rid of my bike. It was really rusted. It was basically, I hadn't used it in a long time. It was outside in the rain. um, And I just gotten rid of it. And I thought, well, the bike pads are still open, so I'll go get a bike. Well, I have a teeny tiny car. Teeny tiny. T- tiny. <laughs> but I just go to Walmart, and I thought, well, I'll just get, you know, a semi-cheap bike, because um, I'm not really a bike person in general. I'd rather swim or be at the beach. So uh, but I thought, well, I'll get a bike, because that's all we got. And, you know, um, they could close the bike pass tomorrow, for all I know. But uh, uh, so... I had gotten my bike home and I got out there and I thought, okay, and then I'm on the bike and I'm like, all right, this feels good. I can just do this every day as a way to get out, get some exercise. And then I heard like a, and I was like, what was that? And then I got, and then I realized the chain fell off of the bike, the bike I just bought, but it could have been because I had to like, I really couldn't get it in the car. I had to use like bungee cords and leave my hatchback open to, so I might, I might have done it or it's just, it is a cheap bike. But I'm on the bike path now, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to fix it. Like, my fingers are all greasy. And I was like, I don't know. So here comes a guy, and he's like, you need help? And I'm thinking, all right, it's a pandemic, and we're not supposed to be near each other. So I don't think, I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'll just walk at home. I'll be fine. He goes, like, really? He's no problem. And I'm thinking, I don't know. You're supposed to 
are you supposed to let people help you in a pandemic where we're not supposed to be near each other? And I thought, well, it's risky, you know, but hey, I've been to Paris, Spain, and New York. <laughs> I think I can be near the good bike Samaritan. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you guys stay safe, wash your hands, you know, uh, leave your shoes outside. And uh, I had an idea at the beginning of this. I mean, at the beginning, beginning of this, uh, right when China was locking down and it was like, well, we've never seen this before. And it was like, we need to have protocol in place for the next pandemic that when you can tell just by the numbers in China, we should have all gone on lockdown. The world, the world go on lockdown. It all would have been done by now. But you know, I didn't have anybody's number to call. <laughs> well, I hope you join me again next time so we can not travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. She's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? Seat belts are fastened for takeoff, and the signal is strong. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's with. Cat's Queen.